This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Approximately eight years ago, as I was exiting the Chicago's O'Hare Airport, Lo and behold, before my wondering eyes was a massive billboard that contained these three words, me, me, me. It seemed that that's all it said, me, me, me. And then I understood that's exactly what a generation in America's life has been called, the me, me, me generation. Way beyond me, beyond me, me, and actually becoming the me, me, me generation. Sounds an awful lot like the Apostle Paul's description of the world and the condition of society at the end of the image immediately preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ. He talks about it in his letter to Timothy, about perilous times. Men would be lovers of themselves, unthankful, unholy, and so on. Lovers of themselves, me, me, me. Well, What generation is that? Well, it's a generation known as the Millennials, sometimes known as Generation Y or Gen Y, the Democratic cohort following Generation X, and preceding Generation Z, the last generation, well, at least the last on the alphabet. Researchers and popular media are using the early 1980s as the starting birth years and the mid-1990s to early 2000s as the ending birth years for this millennial generation typically defined as people born from 1981 to 1996. Across the globe, young people have postponed marriage. Millennials were born at a time of declining fertility rates around the world, having fewer children than their predecessors. In the developed world, young people of the uh, the 2010s were less inclined to have sexual intercourse compared to their predecessors when they were at the same age. And in the West, they're less likely to be religious than their predecessors. But they may identify as spiritual. It's all about their feelings, you see. Millennials have been described as the first generation, the global generation, and the first generation that grew up in the Internet age. The generation is generally marked by elevated usage of and familiarity with the Internet, mobile devices, and social media, or we might even call it anti-social media, which is why they're sometimes turned digital natives. Between the 1990s and the 2010s, people from the developing world became increasingly well-educated, a factor that boosted economic growth in these countries. Millennials across the world have suffered significant economic disruption since starting their working lives and many high levels of youth employment during their early years. Members of this demographic cohort are also known as millennials because the oldest became adults around the turn of the millennium, year 2000. Sometimes they're called echo-boomers, due to them often being the offspring of the baby boomers. But then psychologist Jean Twenge described millennials as Generation Me in her 2006 book, 
And then Time Magazine in 2013 ran a cover story titled Millennials, the Me, Me, Me Generation. Well, that introduces us to Millennial-itis. Millennial-itis, a dangerous utopian disease that is haunting America. And today we took an, look at, take an honest look at a dishonest upbringing that's now threatening the future of our country. Our special guest, Mark Bowerlein, with his book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up. Mark, it's good to have you on the program. Pastor Chris Mayer, it is a pleasure to join you. We are facing a uh, uh, a challenge here, the likes of which our country has never faced, aren't we? This generation that we see now, the millennials, who are in their 30s, uh, the older ones are in really middle age at this point, and this <laughs> is the time when we expect Americans to start forming families, to start paying closer attention to the bigger issues than just their own personal lives. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, this generation was conditioned during the crucial formative years of adolescence not to do that very thing. In other you words, they've been seduced into eternal adolescence. That, that, that's where they are. And that's where they want to be and to remain. Mm. As you said, they are not getting married and having children at nearly the rate that boomers do. In fact, by age 40, one-third of millennial men, males, will never have been married and probably never will. That is a demographic disaster taking place in our country. Well, is that and related also to the fact that cohabitation has replaced marriage uh, as the uh, the going so-called family orientation in a in our country well we we know that the traditional family has been under assault by the secular progressives mm -hmm. for decades i mean even going back to the 60s sure this is no longer the model that they believe in from the teenage years the model they have is one just achievement success make a lot of money you know consumerism mm -hmm. or it's what the digital age gave them, a social life with lots and lots of friends, like those kids uh, in, in that 90s TV show, Friends, mm -hmm. who really were 30 years old, still acting like they're in college. In other words, so the so-called friends that we find on Facebook is actually a euphemism for distant acquaintances or people that we want to call friends because we don't have any. It's not deep. It is not an abiding friendship. It's not the kind of devotion that we see modeled by our Lord and his gathering of the disciples or the disciples there up in that upper room when, when the fire came down. That kind of genuine spiritual brotherhood that's not going to happen over Facebook. That's not going to happen over the phone, the text messaging. But they confine themselves to that digital bubble. They go into their rooms when they were 15, and they had all the screens going. They had that awful music that, that, that was peddled 
to them. Mm -hmm. They were playing video games uh, with, with lots of blood in them, and they could go all night. Now, this is not, again, a conditioning that is going to prove enduring when adulthood happens. We didn't give them God. We didn't give them country. You know, they feel that America is a shameful place. Only one-third of them consider themselves patriots. Mm -hmm. Now, Pastor, patriotism is actually a good feeling. It gives you gratitude. You feel home Rootedness. in a country that you love. Yeah. But they don't have that. This is a, a dangerous thing because if you lack rootedness, it's like the old statement, uh, uh, people who don't remember who they were don't know what they are or even what they're trying to do. And you call it the dumbest generation that's now grown up. We have to look further into what that's about. Is it about utopianism? Did we ever get there? We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Millennial-itis, a dangerous utopian disease, and today on Viewpoint, we take an honest look at a dishonest upbringing that's now threatening the future of our country and, yes, even the world. Welcome to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Viewpoint determines destiny. We say it regularly here on the program, and there's no question about it. The viewpoint of our millennial cohorts uh, in our country have unfortunately been uh, discipled into political correctness, multiculturalism, and religious pluralism, and that has become the unholy trinity of their belief system. And therefore, that's their viewpoint. And it's out of their viewpoint that they have conceived a utopian view of the world, which can be pretty devastating, especially since no one has ever achieved utopia. And so today on Viewpoint, our special guest joining us, Mark Bauerlein, with his book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, From Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. Uh, and, and I want to make sure, friends, you get a copy of this book. Let, let me just tell you what uh, uh, Wilfred McClay, professor of history at Hillsdale College, said about it. He said, this is a penetrating and searingly honest book, tracking the intellectual and moral devolution of the generation we call the Millennials. Another, David Horowitz wrote, a generation that is ignorant of the past and is therefore condemned to repeat it. Now, if that is true, we're in trouble. You see, ignorance is not bliss. It may only appear to be bliss for a while, but it's not bliss, and it's not bliss for the rest of the country and for the future of our little ones. And so today on Viewpoint, we discuss this more deeply with our new friend Mark Bauerlein and his book, The Dumbest Generation. It's a $30 hardbound book, friends, and it's yours for only $22 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. 
P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, and you won't be disappointed. You won't be disappointed. So what have we done to them? Mark, what have we done to this uh, millennial generation? Well, we, 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 we handed them these devices that enabled them to communicate with one, or, one another 24-7. They could gossip. They could send photos back and forth. They could hit the porn sites nonstop. Or create their own. They, in, indeed. I mean, the, the original motto of YouTube was broadcast yourself. This was an invitation to, as you put it, sir, me, me, me. The Facebook pages were all about presenting yourself and your life as this glorious, joyous, ideal existence to show everyone else. And the more people paid attention, the more successful you were. So when we see today rates among millennials of depression, anxiety, suicide, and narcissism rising, we have to look at what we gave them many years ago when they were teenagers, even down to the movies that we show them, these awful movies that Hollywood puts out, this horrible rap music that has obscene lyrics in them. You mentioned chastity a moment ago. They laugh at chastity. But what I say to them is, let's go talk to some college counselors over there in psychological counseling on college campuses and ask them how many young women and young men come in having caught a bad disease or having gone and spent the night with someone who ended up treating them awfully in the morning and the emotional devastation, it just pours out of them. How about putting chastity in the context of all the damage that a lack of chastity has done to young people? How about that? Well, let's do it. Well, but let, let's not expect Hollywood or the media or any of the activist organizations to talk about that. Let, they're not going to talk about all those men in prison who are there because they didn't have any father in the home. And the rate of men in prison with no fathers in the home is is exponential. It's stupendous. Uh, in fact, uh, sociologists have now identified fatherlessness as the number one overarching social problem in the country, out of which all the other uh, horrifying uh, demographic statistics issue. Uh, that's why I wrote a book uh, just a few years ago called Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. Uh, this is a big deal. But we are not allowed to talk about this because, because feminism made, made the necessity of fathers a, a, bad, a bad word, a bad idea. We are supposed to believe that a child raised by one woman or two women is just fine That's no better than a father and a mother. And again, this is unscientific. I mean, the, the, the social science of the evidence of dysfunction is very strong. It's all in. This is not an argument anymore. This is 
a, a liberal, secular elite refusing to let the truth be spread throughout our society. Well, it's largely because money is uh, at hand. Uh, these, uh, I mean, when they talk about high tech, they're talking about uh, Facebook, they're talking about Twitter, they're talking about YouTube, they're talking about Google, they're talking about the very engines that are controlling virtually all of the communication on the planet, but which have yep. been adhered to now by the millennial generation as their, uh, shall we say, gospel conversation. It, it really is. The, it's the air they breathe. It's the water they swim in. And let's remember what Silicon Valley did. They hired experts in addiction, attention, to help them design the tools the video games, the social networking sites, they designed them to try to turn our children into addicts, precisely because the longer our children spend on these screens, the more money they make. And the interesting thing I talk about this in the book is the masters in Silicon Valley, they don't let their kids spend a lot of time on screens. Isn't that amazing? Talk about hypocrisy. Oh, well, they know better. They know exactly what they're doing. Some of them have, have come out and acknowledged what, what they did. But they don't send their kids to schools with all the computers. They send their kids to schools like the Waldorf schools that are very low-tech. Meanwhile, they keep spoon-feeding our children these games and, and media, running up the money on them because, yeah, this is these are people who – well, we know greed can often have no have have no bounds. Uh, we know how prone to sin we are, all of us, if we let these things spin out of control. And they are out of control. But again, it's hard to find the people who control the communications, the media, the big ones in this mm-hmm. country, to come out and 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 make it stop because. They don't want to acknowledge all of this was a mistake. And what corrects it is we get our children back into church. We get them into prayer. We get them to historic sites. So into they learn the about homes. the past. The, the museums. Mm-hmm. We, we, we try to hold families together. We try to give a structure of the universe that includes a transcendent orientation that will give purpose and meaning to our young people's lives. Secularism destroyed those things. And we have left you, you pastor, you picked exactly the right word rootless. They're rootless. They float. They have no grounds. They don't have any solid base morality. So they turn to the false gods of politics, the false gods of cancel culture, because they are utopians. They think the world should be a perfect place, just like their bedroom was back when they were 15, and they could cancel people whenever they didn't want to hear them by unfriending them or Mm -hmm. blocking them. Mm -hmm. And they they carried that bedroom out into the public space. And we know that a disappointed utopian always has a reason why society hasn't gone the way he thought it should. Because we have some bad people out there, and if we just get rid of the bad people, we will end up with the society we deserve. 
This is uh, it's a very dangerous thing. It's it's not it's it's worthy of weeping over as we look back, and uh, certainly Christian parents and pastors uh, and uh, any concerned adult should look back and basically weep over what we have allowed to take place uh, passively. Uh, I'm wondering to what extent perhaps even what we have allowed to happen could be deemed to be a form of child abuse. Oh, I think I think we see forms of child abuse happen all the time. These drag queen story hours where people bring their four-year-old kids to see drag queens reading stories and prancing around the library space, uh, you know, looking like, oh, I don't know, some some character out of an old Hollywood Hollywood costume drama. This is deeply unhealthy for children to be exposed to. All right. One of the things that liberalism will not respect, liberalism won't respect age appropriateness. It's true. Because everything is appropriate because we're living in an increasingly perfect world and therefore our kids should be entitled to everything that their parents have. And so that introduces a whole new realm describing the millennial generation and that is the very heart and soul of entitlement. And the whole mantra of diversity, equity, inclusion, we know that that's a fake. Because if you express a biblical conception of sexuality and marriage, you will never get a job in, all kind, in academia, in, in most media, in Silicon Valley, in Hollywood. I mean, a belief that were ordinary, customary, widely held, even in 1990, are now off limits. They, they get you preempted from vast reaches of the upper echelons of American society. And the millennials now are the, are the generation who don't know that the world wasn't always like this. The millennials don't know how important the Bible was in American life 50, 60 years ago and for 200 years before that in this country. They don't know the most important book in all of American history is the King James Bible. Abraham Lincoln's speeches wouldn't be nearly what they are if he weren't utterly immersed in King James all the time. The millennials don't know this well you know the the unfortunate thing is and i i grown up at the church uh, i grew up in a pastor's home an evangelical pastor's home and uh have been in many different congregations across the country from from coast to coast and uh what what i have noticed is that ever since the early 1970s when the church growth began where i was living and practicing law in pasadena california uh, the pastors have actually embraced this uh, millennial-itis in order to try to seduce people into their congregations. And so even the Bible translations have been intended to, shall we say, dumb down 
uh, the language, dumb down the import of the Bible so that it is easily received by uh, millennials who have no connection whatsoever to even serious reading. And I think we can agree that not only on moral grounds and truth grounds, but also on pragmatic grounds. This was a mistake. The more you make the church just a reflection of the world, the more young people say to themselves, well, why bother going to it? I can right. just watch TV. What's the use? Yeah, you, you have to go out of the, when you enter that church, you have to feel I'm going out of the world in, in, in to some degree. I'm going into another, another place, yeah. a, a place of renewal, a place of reorientation, a place of repentance. Well, that's exactly what's needed now. The question is, how do we get that way, get to that point for an entire generation? We'll talk about that when we get back. Our guest, Mark Bauerlein, his book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. The unrootedness of millennials is making a very unhappy and dangerous future of adults running America. They can't make choices. They don't have, it's, it's like what the Beatles said years ago. They don't have the points of view, know not where they're going to, aren't they a bit like you and me, they said. The Beatles called it a nowhere man. And that's exactly the description of the millennial generation. Don't have the points of view based upon truth. Don't have the points of view based upon history because they don't know it. They've been addicted. They've been addicted to Facebook, Twitter, the Internet, and they know nothing. The millennials are the first Americans to come of age in the digital age, the cutting edge of the tech revolution. So they end up behind Starbucks counters, living with their parents or at a house with four friends, lonely, mistrustful, having no thoughts of marriage and children, no weekly church attendance or civic memberships. More than half of them convinced that their country is racist and sexist. So what is the future? I want you to get a copy of this book, friends, because it's going to help you to understand a little more deeply where we are, why things are the way they are, and then we're going to talk about, okay, now, seeing that this is the way things are, what shall we do about it? The book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, 
uh, by Mark Bauerlein. It's a $30 book, hardbound, yours for $22 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org, give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check again at $5 for postage and handling. You know, uh, Mark, here on this program, we say we're confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. Do you think that what we're talking about here is foundationally spiritual? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, my, you know, I, I work at, at First Things Magazine, and, and mm-hmm. Father Newhouse there likes to say, you know, they, they always say, you know, politics is downstream from culture. Well, culture is downstream from religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really comes back to a sp- your spiritual condition. What is your relation to existence? What is your relation to transcendence, to God? And, you know, the, the 60s uh, decoupled people from those things they 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 called this renunciation of god country and fathers liberation yeah it was it was a rejection a rebellion against all authority just like the french revolution they sold us a bill of goods that said this is actually the pathway to freedom Mm -hmm. well if it is then why is this generation so unhappy why is there such a sour mood that prevails through the millennials? Why do they regard their fellow citizens with mistrust? They actually have high levels of social mistrust. Why are they so eager to sign a petition with 2,000 others to get someone fired from a job for telling some dumb sexist joke somewhere and, and, and ruin this person's life? What is the vindictiveness all about? Well, they're angry because of what they didn't get. They're angry because there is a spiritual hole inside them, and they don't know. They don't. We haven't given them things to fill it. I tell them, read the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. Read, read three Psalms every night. Read them out loud. But they don't want to read. They only want to visualize. <laughs> well, what we do is we persuade. Listen, if you do this for three months, you will feel better. You will feel more firm. You'll, you'll, you'll start to feel the ground beneath your feet getting a little more solid. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you read the story of Cain and Abel, then you won't look at other people's Facebook pages and feel envy so much. Uh, you, you, you need to read what St. Paul went through. Why did those Christians... The early martyrs go to their deaths with a genuine smile on because their they faces. had something to believe in that mattered. And unfortunately, when you don't have God as your foundation, when you don't have your relationship with Jesus Christ, that vacuum that is created in your spirit is going to be replaced by something else, and it's being replaced by. Uh, activism to try to develop some sort of meaning in the life it's replaced by things like antiva and black lives matter and all of these various upstart uh, kinds of things uh and and social justice and all of these things 
are replacement theologies for biblical truth, aren't they? And if these activist groups, which proclaim to be about justice, they, they actually do try to claim some moral high ground that would parallel what, 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 what biblical teaching offers. If it were the case, then why is it that this activism has to find enemies and go after them? Why does it seem so vengeful if it is all about caring about people and yeah. inclusion? Where is the love? These are false gods. They're false gods. All right. Now, interestingly, in the political world, the first president that came upon the American scene uh, identified as, shall we say, the millennials president was who? You know, I think it was Barack Obama. I, I couldn't disagree with that. And so, you, you he, know, George Bush and Al Gore split the youth vote. It was a, it was it was it was about even Barack Obama got two thirds of the youth vote. And then he went and, to Germany uh, during his campaign to the Brandenburg Gate and became a rock star to the millennial generation all over the world. Yes. He preached a yes. false gospel to them of utopianism and self-righteousness and me, me, mean entitlement and uh, choreographed the entire youth grow, uh, vote throughout the whole world. And, and I'm afraid that the youth vote is still now two-thirds going for Democrat candidates. They uh, have been uh, told that a conservative position on things is backward, uncool. And boy, wasn't Barack Obama cool? The millennials thought he was so cool. He could play basketball. And so... Uh, the Republicans have done a very, very poor job, I think, of countering the way the Democrats and liberalism generally has seized the, the heart of the young in America. You know, Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan won the youth vote. Right? He, he gave them strength and happiness. And, he had and, something and to stand for and made it very clear. And because of that, he became a leader founded on truth and history, uh, which gave people rootedness. But since then, because that was in the 1980s, now, since the 1990s, we're facing a completely different situation. And uh, the question then is, okay, this is the way things are. Now, what do we do? Now, as Edmund Burke once said, I can't do everything but I can do something. What I can do, I should do. And by the grace of God, I will do. So I'd like to uh, address our conversation uh, for the balance of the program to, say, three different groups. One, right there at home, parents and grandparents. Next, to pastors. Next, to political and business and uh, p political and business leaders, it seems to me that those are the three primary influence agents 
other than teachers themselves? What say you? The I think those are three perfect groups to address. The first thing that all three have, they have different roles, but all three have to realize that when you look at the 30-year-old millennial stuck on the phone, always on the screen, tapping out messages, playing video games, this is not the deepest longing of that person. The deepest thirst is for things of the spirit. That's what you have to, you have to approach them with that confidence. Mm -hmm. You've got to appeal to them on soul grounds, not on fun, not not on pleasure, not on diversion, not on grounds of, of current events, politics and so on. These are souls and these souls are thirsty. The the God is written across their hearts. And and so you should have the confidence then to address that part of them. And let them know this is a positive thing for you to take five minutes, take a walk by yourself and repeat the Lord's Prayer 50 times over and over again. It will have a tonic effect upon your spirit. This is what all these groups must believe, that the word will be taken in by them. If it is offered to them, pushed in an inspiring way, they will hear. So that that is just the general advice. All right. Well, parents, how, do you, how do you get parents who have uh, participated by default in this addiction of their kids and say, "Well, what am I supposed to do about it? Uh, I can't. I can't fight city hall, so to speak. So uh, this is just the way it is." Uh, let let it be, as the song of the 70s says, let it be, let it be. Uh, no, we can't just let it be, but what can we do? Well, do you love your kids or not? Do you care about their destiny or not? You have to, they have to be told, listen, what you are letting your children do or encouraging them to do at age 15 is going to reverberate for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. We'll pick up on that after this break. Can the dumbest generation wise up and become leaders from God's viewpoint? Let's see. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. The young American psyche is sore and restive. 
The truth is, as Psychology Today said in 2019, although no one can really agree about the millennial generation, one thing is fairly certain, they're stressed out. An October 2020 story in Business Insider links to lots of statistics that bore the headline, Lonely, Burned Out, and Depressed. In April of 2020, a recap in the Atlantic magazine of the millennials' job and financial condition titled, Millennials Don't Stand a Chance, termed the ones turning 30 as a whole new lost generation. Friends, that's exactly how Jesus described people who have not embraced the truth for salvation. They're lost. So our guest today, Mark Bauerlein, with his book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, about millennialitis, actually is hitting at the very root of the problem. The root of the problem is not the consequences of what has taken place. It's the root of what has taken place, and that is we have not raised up the millennial generation to be spiritually minded, that is, from God's viewpoint, we have allowed them to be seduced into a counterfeit spirituality that's rooted in their feelings rather than genuine faith. So, I wonder if that description, Mark, might just help us as parents and grandparents to realize what we have to do. We have to get serious about uh, our kids, our grandkids right now. Uh, We can't allow things to keep drifting, can we? (laughs) Look, I I don't know if the millennials are going to get any better as they get older. You know, having children can give you purpose and meaning. It can lead to self-sacrifice. But if they're, they're not having children much and they don't really want to mm-hmm. have children uh, at that rate, that, that, you know, that they may be lost. They may be gone for good. But we can't, we can't give up on that. So one of the things we do, I'll, I'll give you one thing that a, a parent can do with a child, All right. with, with the teenagers. You know, one thing that one of the Silicon Valley Titans said a few years back was with all the social media, we're trying to make it so you never have to be alone. What the parent has to say is, do you know the times when Jesus says, I must go and be alone? Spiritual figures often have to get apart, get out of the social network. Be alone. Now, they're not really alone because they're with the Father. Because they can't hear from God because he speaks with a still, small voice, and you can't hear the still, small voice when your ears are filled up constantly with uh, the gibberish of uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh, other Internet sources. And if you help work your child so that there is a ritual of solitude, Mm-hmm. Each day, take a walk without the phone. Uh, sit in a chair and think. Contemplate. I mean, the, the word contemplate has the same root as the word temple. Okay, Get away from the social contact. This is one way to make them turn inward and reflect and start getting uh, a closer ear to what their hearts are telling them without the diversions, mm-hmm. the distractions mm-hmm. of, of the screen. Do you think this grandparents one, have a, a significant role here? 
They they certainly can. Grandparents have always been crucial to a lot of children. My, my mother was 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 very important to my son because grandparents can be for the child a kind of uh, midway point between fun and guidance mm-hmm. discipline. Yeah, and that 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 you know it sort of takes in a way it takes the pressure off the parent. And the grandparent doesn't have to be a parent, right? Uh, if the parents are doing do, doing the right things, so the grandparents, what one of the things the grandparents can do is to give that youth a fuller sense of the past. Mm-hmm. I lived it fifty years ago, Vietnam. I know what was happening. Here's what it was like when I was a child, and we would watch the news coming out of Vietnam. I mean, that, that's the kind of thing that can open the child up because, you know, children are curious yeah. about what what their parents were doing before the children were born. You know what? Uh, all of this watching of Ukraine and what's happening there reminds me of what was happening when I was 10 years of age and listening to the Russian assault on Hungar- uh, Hungary uh, mm. back when I was 10 years of age. And it still grips my mind and heart today. And I didn't have any visual images. All I had was radio. Uh, but, you know, you have to have some kind of anchor uh, to the past. And those who don't remember uh, anything about the past don't know what uh, the present is about and have no concept about the future. And unfortunately, that's where we are. Uh, I've got 10 grandchildren, by the way, and my wife and I take that role very, very seriously. So let's talk to pastors. Pastors are looked to as uh, the deliverers of truth. They're supposed to be guiding the people. But unfortunately, in many respects, they have been uh, passive agents even to uh, amplify the role of technology rather than to minimize it. What do you say? Be tough. You have a very powerful adversary. Uh, And the adversary is pulling that youth's spirit in one direction. You've got to pull harder in the other direction. Sometimes it takes a joke. Sometimes it takes a rebuke. Mm -hmm. All the time it takes the wisdom and the truth of the Bible, but you have to say, I am, I am in conflict with the world. I am, I am not a representative of the world here. The world, if the world has its way, I lose this young man, this young woman, and boy is the world after those precious souls at all times. So be tough because pastor all of you preachers ministers priests you've got the goods you've got you've got you've got the best thing that could be offered to a young life it's so much better the sermon on the mount is so much better than the stuff they're going to hear on youtube or the ra- hymns or, or rap music Oh my goodness! The the, the language it's of just the pure song, wickedness. The of Proverbs, Proverbs, <clears throat> the beginning of fear of the Lord. Don't you know how good it is to be in fear? How how much better the rest of your life is if you heed the commands of the Lord? 
you will lead a better life. You will be a happier person. The, the, our, our spiritual leaders, our religious leaders need to stand up and say this right out front. That's why I wrote the book, The, the uh, Secret of the Lord, based upon Psalm 2514. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and to them he will show or manifest his covenant. Uh, every promise of God, all the fulfillment, including salvation itself, is predicated on the fear of the Lord. But that has fallen on very hard times. It just doesn't, from, from a pastor's viewpoint, it doesn't mark it well and therefore it's been forgotten. They don't want people to get angry, to get offended. And what we need to say is that Satan is out there. Of course some people are going to get angry and offended. If they're not, then you can be sure you are not fighting the good fight here. <laughs> I mean, now, by the way, is- you're you're speaking on this program as a Catholic, aren't you? I'm 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 Catholic now. Yeah. I was I was an atheist, a militant atheist for a, a yeah. long, long time. Um, and you know, I'm 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 a novice, really. Uh, I was baptized Catholic, but well, you're speaking uh, you're learn. speaking from the heart as a Catholic, believing in the authority of the Word of God and the need for the Word of God to guide our lives, our practice, and so on. I am not a Catholic. But we have many, many Catholic listeners to this program. Why? Because they feel that what's happening even in the Catholic Church is demeaning to the authority of Scripture from the top down. And so when they hear this program, they're saying, my goodness, except for a few things that you uh, don't agree with, Maybe you're the best Catholic I know. So today on Viewpoint, we're talking about the foundational things to guide the life and times of our people. We have got to get back to the authority of Scripture. We have got to get back to the fear of the Lord. We have got to get back to the foundational purposes. If we don't have, if our youth do not have a raison d'etre, a reason for being from God's viewpoint, they are going to embrace a false gospel utopianism, aren't they? Uh, they are. They are. This is, these are the wages of, of the battle. This is what's at stake. You know, at, at our magazine, at First Things, we have a project called Evangelicals and Catholics Together. Uh-huh. It, it's been going on for more than 20 years. Uh, it was it was formed by Father Newhouse and, and uh, Richard Chuck, uh, uh, and Chuck Colson. Colson, right. Yes, uh, who were very, very close. And the things, the things I would say is that, look, our antagonist is so aggressive and so strong and actually merciless that the differences between uh, traditional believers, between the biblical uh, figures and the rest of society, uh, those differences between us are are very small relative to the the militantly atheistic, secularist, anti-biblical, anti-traditional, anti-marriage, traditional marriage ideas of of this woke revolution. 
that that I think is simply uh, a reality. You know, I appreciate time. I appreciate so much uh, your passion and in the writing of this book uh, to try to point out uh, the root problems. Uh, you're diagnosing the situation for an entire generation. You're looking at the fruit that has come from the rootlessness of the millennial generation. Then the question is, okay, are we going to allow another generation, Generation Z, to grow up exactly the same way? And if we do, what will be the future of America and the world? It's not a pretty picture, is it? My pessimism is that the secular left controls so much of our society, which educates and entertains the young, and I mean Hollywood and the public schools and the universities, mm-hmm. that uh, that Generation Z uh, watches TV, watches movies, listens to music, and goes to class, and is being conditioned to to conform to the world, to accept the the progressivist anti-biblical outlook mm-hmm. and that I'm not sure they're going to be able to rebel because if they rebel, they'll be punished. Well, you know, the, they, the parents that uh, won't go along are being punished in various ways. Isn't there's a word in the scriptures to, that defines that kind of punishment. It's called persecution. And that is going to arise, and we're seeing it arise, Mark. Unfortunately, we're right here at the end of the program, and I'm so grateful for the new relationship that we have established here on Viewpoint today. Viewpoint does determine destiny, friends. We're seeing how that's been playing out now for the past 30 years, and it's continuing. Get a copy of this wonderful book. Uh, It's a $30 hardbound book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, From Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. $22 will put the book in your hands on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA and seriously consider becoming a partner. Friends, we're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour, confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. You join with us and help us to get this this, uh, message out until Jesus comes. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.